How are you all? Few of you are great. How many are good? Good. Anybody poor? <laughs> How are you all? Really, are you doing okay? This is a great day. This is the day that the Lord has made. <laughs> Man, we got to rejoice and be glad in it. This is a great, wonderful day that God has brought to us as a body of believers. We are in the 21st chapter, going to go into the 22nd chapter of the book of Revelation, and there isn't a chapter 23. So we're, all, <laughs> we're almost over with this wonderful book, and then we're going to go into the book of Romans. So I want you to be prepared for that. We'll be going into the book of Romans, and it's written, of course, by Paul, who is uh, my hero and I absolutely uh, can't wait to uh, study that with you and, and, and have a, a great, great time in that, that book. That's a book about grace. It's all about God's grace. And, and in one place in the book, it, they, they say to him, well, look, if, if that's the way it is, shouldn't we sin so grace should abound all the more? And he says, oh, God forbid. God forbid. We're going to learn all about God's wonderful, wonderful grace. Before we begin the service today, this is uh, Armed Forces uh, weekend weekday, and um, you know we live in in a great great place, the United States of America. Let's let's face it, you guys, we are blessed amongst people who to be blessed. This this place, the United States of America, is amazing, and and just the the privilege of of, of the freedom that that we have, and this freedom that we have is because of the. The, the service men and women who have served this country so amazingly. Uh, we are blessed beyond, beyond re reason. And so in recognition of Armed Forces Day, I, I would like to, as a body of believers, just I'm one amongst many of us who would like to thank those of you who are either currently serving uh, in the military right now, or you have in the, in, the, in, the, in the past served, or if you have a loved one, someone of your family member or a friend of yours who you have been praying for, um, I would, would be honored if you wouldn't mind with me standing right now, those of you who are either serving or have served or have a loved one that is serving in the armed forces right now. Yeah, would you just stay standing for a moment? Thank you all. You can be seated. Uh, on behalf of all, everyone here, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. If you look in the screen, we have some names up there of people, uh, a part of our congregation or uh, people who uh, are now serving. And we want you to take a look at those names if, you, if you're inclined to do so, to pray for them uh, as you think about it during the, the weeks and the months ahead. And, and just pray that God would bring them back safely and, and hopefully soon to their family and their loved ones. Um, but we want to take this moment to pray. So would you pray with me about, about all of you who stood and, and all the others. Father, we live in a great country. You've blessed us beyond measure as a people. Um, these United States of America, Father, to live here and to have the freedoms that we have is, is a, quite a wonderful, wonderful privilege. And it, it pales, Father, in comparison of what we are going to study today, this uh, place that we will one day live with you forever and ever. It's, it's, beyond, um, it's beyond my uh, ability to explain it, Father. And, and Lord, we just want to thank you for the people that serve this great uh, 
country of ours, these United States of America. May we, um, may we be a God-fearing nation, Father. May we recognize you in all that we do and every bit of who we are. Now, Father, bless us as we study your word. What a privilege you've given us, Father, to, to have write, written down these words so that we might understand and know more about you and, at every level. And now, especially as we study through this, the last part of the book of Revelation, we take a look at this new heaven and this new earth that you have, are preparing for us even now as we speak. Can't even imagine, Father, the beauty of it. And just the privilege that, as it says, that we will be, we will be there with you, that we will be right by your side, Father, and you with us. And so, Father, please bless us as we study these times, uh, these words. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Would you please, let's read right away. Let's read uh, chapter 21. Let's read from verse 21 to chapter 22, verse 5. These particular verses are, are where John has a look at the inside of this, of this wonderful, wonderful uh, new Jerusalem, this new place, new home that we will live, and we will be right there with our Lord. Um, he's now going to give us an inside look of of what we saw last week, the outside view of it. In verse 21 it says, And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. John says, I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine upon it, for the glory of God has illuminated it, and its lamp is the Lamb. And the nations shall walk by its light, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory into it. And in the daytime, for there shall be no night there, its gates shall never be closed, and they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean, and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Chapter 22, verse 1, John writes, And he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb, in the middle of its, in the middle of its street. Excuse me. And on either side of the river was a tree of life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, each its fruit every month, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his bondservants shall serve him, and they will see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall no longer be any night. They shall not have need of light of the lamp, nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God shall illumine them. They shall reign forever and ever. What we see from this wonderful picture of words is that first and foremost this 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 cube this 1500 mile cube that's going to be dropped down either resting on this new earth or suspended we're not certain is going to be completely transparent 
obviously the transparency of it is so that the, the glory, the Shekinah glory of God should illumine the very universe. It, it, it's going to be beyond description. It, it, can you imagine? That is where you and I, if you've come to trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's where we're going to live with Him forever and ever and ever. I said this in the first service, and may I say to you, that overwhelms me. The thought of that brings me sometimes to tears. It's just to think, why me? Of all the things that I've done, why me? Why, why would he allow me to be with him forever and ever in eternity? Uh, I mean, like Paul said, you know, I think most of us could probably say, you know, we're the, we're, we're the worst of sinners. And yet the Lord God has chosen you and me to be with him and live with him forever and ever and ever in this place that is going to be glorious. I mean, really, words are not going to be ex to explain the beauty of it all. I, I would love for me to be moved aside. I would love for me to not be in the way so that you could see it as clearly as possible. But even at that, I don't think you and I will ever be able to really, really understand the wonders and the beauty of it until we see it, until we're there. And so let's try with all of our hearts at least to, to get a glimpse of it and see what it means. And I think in so doing, I think it would make yours and my time here on this earth so much more critical to share the wonders of Christ with anyone and everyone we come in contact with. To be that place, that, that one, be that person, I should say, that, that shares unashamedly. I know sometimes, I understand it, it's going to be embarrassing. Sometimes you're, you're going you're gonna, to, you know, if people are, you're going to think people are just looking at you and laughing at you. There's times where I know I embarrass people. When we sit at lunch sometimes and we have lunch and the, the waitress or the waiter that comes and serves us, if they're there about the time that they give us the food and they linger at all, I, I ask them, you know, I'll grab their hand or something and say, would you, would you pray with us for the meal? And sometimes they, you know, you can almost feel the, just the, the curl of their hand away. And I know sometimes it's embarrassing. I remember Kay and I got one once we were on a, a vacation one place, and I think I've shared this with you before. We went on this vacation, and, and this we met this gentleman. He was a, he was really a unique guy, and he asked us to go and eat have a at a special place to have a bite to eat. And we said, "Yeah, we'd love to go." And we started sharing with him our our our, our savior. We we shared with him on the walk, and we walked to this restaurant. And we were sharing with him, and we shared, and we we asked if we could pray before the meal, and we prayed, and and then we were talking more about the Lord. And and right near the end of the meal, the best I remember this is he looked at us and said, "Man, my mom and dad." And he was no young guy. He said, "My mom and dad must really be happy right now." And we said, "Why?" Because they've been sharing me about this Savior, Jesus Christ, that you've been talking about all the time. And I keep putting them off. And Kay and I, when we, when we were together alone without him, we, we said, now we know why we went to dinner with that guy. Now we know why he asked us to go to have dinner with him. It wasn't for the food. It was that God wanted us to share with him to talk about this Savior that, their, that his mom and dad had been talking about to him all her life. He, as best of my recollection, honey, didn't he say they were um, a Salvation Army or they were missionaries? Which? I forget. It doesn't matter, does it? But they, they were sharing with him all of his life. And, and he just looked at us and said, no, and it, 
Well, my mom and dad must really be pleased that I'm having a bite to eat with you guys. You never know. And so it is our purpose to share. Now, I haven't prayed yet, have I? We read, didn't we? The, the, we read, didn't we? Through verse. Let's pray, though. Father, please, would you do us the greatest privilege, and that is, would you open up our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things from your law? Father, as I've already said, there's no way that I can adequately express what this is going to be like and what it's going to look like. But Father, you know my heart. I want to. I want to. I would love for the people to get just a glimpse of, of what this is going to be like so that, that we would be as encouraged with one another as we could possibly be this day. That we would be encouraged, Father, that we would have the privilege of being with you forever in this place called eternity, heaven. In this new home that you're making for us, this new Jerusalem. Please, Father, please move me aside so that I do not hinder anything that you want to say to any single person here. Just use, Father, this time. Use it, Father, for your glory, please. I pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Well, if, 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 if seeing the, the outside of this, this wonderful city is not enough, John's angel that's taking him out to this place to look at it takes him inside. And John noted, as we saw last week in verse 18, that the streets of the city, he said, were pure gold. He said they were like transparent glass. Everything, everything, it appears, in this heavenly city was transparent, crystal clear glass. And, and the reason was to allow the Shekinah glory of God to blaze unrestricted throughout the universe. His glory shining through this heavenly cube that we will one day take residence in. We saw from the outside its colors, but we really couldn't express the colors purely as they're going to be. It was like a sparkling diamond. But what does that mean to you and me? Because it's not going to be like a diamond that we know of. The city's going to have the glory of God shining in its Shekinah glory and all of its brilliance. John said in verse 11 of last week's message, it was like a very costly stone, like crystal clear jasper. What does that mean to you and me? From the outside, the city appears to be a 1,500-mile crystal-clear cubed diamond which allows the glory of God to just shine everywhere. And so now, when we go into it, in verse 22, the first thing that John notes is that there's no temple in the city. Look at verse 22. John says, And I saw no temple in it. The reason being, he says, that the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. Now up to this point, there has been no place in Scripture where we did not see the temple of God in heaven. Throughout the book of Revelation, we've read in chapter 7, chapter 11, chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16, the temple of God. Let me just take one verse, just in chapter 7, for instance, verse 15. says, the angels were before, before the throne of God. They served him day and night in his temple. But John sees that there is no need for a temple in this new Jerusalem. And the reason being is because the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb of God... They are its temple. 
And the blazing glory of the Father and the Son will fill the new heavens and the new earth. And there will be no need for for anyone to go to this place or that place or any certain place to worship God. No, because all of life, all of eternity, all of eternal life will be consumed with worship. We will constantly be in the presence of God. As he said in verse 3, He himself shall be among us. There will never be a moment in this eternity that you and I will live in where we are not in perfect, holy communion with the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Thus, he says, there is no need to go to a temple. There's no need to go to a cathedral, a church, a chapel, or any other house of worship. For we will be what the Bible said the Lord God was seeking there's a great story in Scripture in, in John chapter 4. I, I'd encourage you to read it a little bit later. It was the, Jesus Christ was going, and, and he had to go through Samaria. And he stopped in Samaria, and he stopped there, and it was high noon. His disciples went into the town to find something to eat. And when he was out there, one lonely woman came out to draw some water. Remember the woman at the well in Samaria? And Jesus says, would you give me something to drink? And she says, how, how is it that you, being a Jew, would ask me, a Samaritan, for a drink? And Jesus said to her, wouldn't you want to have been there? Jesus said to her, if you knew who it was who was asking you for a drink, you would have asked me, and I would have given you living water. I would have given you this living water. They have a dialogue, which I will express to you and share with you a little bit later in this message. But during the dialogue, Jesus said to the woman at the well, he said, woman, an hour is coming and now is when true worshipers, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people, Jesus said to this lady and to us, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. True worshipers. We ought to get started right now in worshiping the Lord God the best we know how. And so as verse 22 expresses, our place of worship will be with God the Father and with God the Son, the Lamb of God. There shall be no building, no temple, no structure. No, there will be no need because the Shekinah glory of God will be, will be, will be shining through the whole heavens and the whole earth. I mean everywhere, the universe. The Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, will be the only temple you and I will need. It's just a reminder. We cannot place too strong an emphasis upon any structure for worship. Listen, you and I, we can meet outside and it'll be fine. We can meet inside and it'll be fine. We can be in a great, wonderful, magnificent structure, cathedral, if you would, or in a tent. It doesn't matter. We could meet on Sunday or we could meet on any day of the week. It doesn't matter. As long as our worship is directed towards our God and He alone. That's the way we should live our lives. We should be true worshipers who worship the Father in spirit and truth because such people the Father is seeking to be His followers, His worshipers. Well, then in, in verse 23, John tells us that there will be no need now for any sun or moon. The reason being, well, the glory of God is going to illumine everything. 
I want you to note the things that they will no longer see nor, nor any longer need. And just in this short place in Scripture, in verse 4, for instance, we'll, we'll no longer see any tears, we'll no longer see any death, no longer see any mourning or crying or pain. In verse 22, there will be no need for a temple because God is amongst us. In verse 23, there's no need for a sun, no need for the moon, because God will lighten the skies. In verse 25, we'll read in a moment, there's no night, there'll be no closing of the gates. And in chapter 22, verse 3, the reason of all of this is because there will be no more curse upon mankind. These things shall be gone forever. Now verse 23 that says there's no sun or moon concurs with what Isaiah said long ago in the Old Testament. In Isaiah chapter 60 verse 19, Isaiah said this, No longer will you have the sun for light by day, nor will you have for brightness the moon to give you light. But he says you will have the Lord for an everlasting light and your God for your glory. In the New Testament, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 states that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness. Jesus said of Himself in John chapter 8, verse 12, He says, I am the light of this world. And He says, if you follow after Me, you will not walk in darkness, but you will have the light of life. And it's interesting, He told those people He is the light of this world, and if you follow after Him, there'll be in no darkness, you'll have the light of life. And He told the, the woman at the well, if you, if you take My water, My living water, you'll never thirst again. In verse 23, everything in eternity is going to be daylight. There will be no darkness. The glory of God will provide all the light that we'll ever need. Therefore, in verse 25, it says you won't have to close the gates. Because, as it says in verse 27, nothing, nothing unclean, and no one who practices abomination or lying shall ever come into the city. That's almost like a slap in the face of Satan, who is the father of lies. But it says in verse 27 at the end, the only ones who will be in the city are those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. What we see in verses 24 to 26 is complete unity there. It's kind of, a, it's kind of a hard to, to grasp, verse 24, 25, and 26. Look, it says, The nations shall walk by its light. Okay, what nations? Who are the nations? Well, the word for nations translates E-T-H-N-O-S, which tra- truly means people, people of every tongue, tribe, and nation. In other words, all the people in verse 24 shall walk by its light. And the kings of the earth shall bring their glory into it. And in the daytime, for there shall be no night, its gates shall never be closed. Verse 26, they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations, of the people, into the city. What we see is God's ultimate purpose fulfilled. And that is whatever honor, whatever glory it is that we receive from our God, for whatever it is that we do in His name, we shall give it all back to Him, it says in the city. Whether, whether we be, it says, uh, a people, the nation, or the kings. In other words, whether we be small and or great. But in God's eyes, there's no small or great. It's all just us. People giving Him honor and glory. What a privilege. 
In verse 27, we said nothing would be unclean, but only those who will come into the city at the end of verse 27 are those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And what we see is clearly from verse 27 that only the people who can come into the city are those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus Christ said in Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, when we first began this journey of studying this great book, I know you'll remember when I start to say it. Jesus said, He who overcomes, anyone who overcomes, thus will be clothed in white garments. He says, I will therefore not erase their name from the Lamb's book of life. And then he says these words, I will confess their name before my Father and before his angels. Overcome. Victory. Faith. Salvation. First John 5, 4 and 5. Whatever is born of God overcomes this world. And what is the victory that overcomes the world? Do you remember? Faith. Please don't forget it. Please make a note to take a look at 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. Try to put it into some sort of memory. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And who is the one who overcomes? It goes on to say, but the person who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And then we jump into chapter 22. In chapter 22, the angel shows John a river of water of life. It's, it's a water of life that John says it's clear as crystal. And it's coming from the throne of the Father and of the Son, of God the Father and the Lamb. The water of life, John says, is crystal clear. It speaks to its purity. The pure, true, eternal life that comes from the throne of God, the water of life. Remember what Jesus said to the Samaritan woman. He said to her, If you give me this water, and you drink, and I drink of this water, you'll thirst again. But if you drink of the water that I'll give you, you'll never thirst again. She said, oh, give me this water. The great story is she, he tells her to go and uh, get her husband. She said, well, I have no husband. She said, well, he said, <laughs> you said, well, you've had, I think it was four or five. I can't remember. I think it was five. You have five, and the one you're living with now is not your husband, he said. And she says, sir, I perceive, I perceive you to be a prophet. He says, uh, she ran into the town. She told the townspeople, I think I've seen the Messiah. He has told me everything that I have done. And I can only imagine what some of the men in the town must have thought. Mm. And so Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water, the water in the well, that, that person will thirst again. But then Jesus said, but whoever drinks the water that I'll give to them, they shall never thirst the water that I'll give to them shall become in them a water of a well of water springing up into eternal life. People's salvation and eternal life are symbolized by the water that flows from Jesus Christ. And rightly so, in verse 1 of chapter 22, we see the water of life flowing from the throne of God and from the Lamb. Eternal life is found nowhere else but coming from the Father and the Son. The beginning of verse 2 tells us where this eternal life is located. 
It says in verse 2, it, it all takes place right in the middle of its street. The street of pure, crystal, clear gold. Eternal life takes you and me into God's holy city where we will one day reside. And then in verse 2 it says this, this tree of life bears 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations or the people. Okay, let's think for a moment. Let's think. Think with, with what we just read. In Genesis chapter 2, the very beginning of the Bible, God gave man a garden. In that garden, he said, you can eat from any tree you want. But for the tree in the middle of the garden, you shall not eat from it. The day you eat from it, you shall surely die. And then man decided, along with his wife, to disobey God. And they lost their access to the tree. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 22 to 24, God forbid man to go into the garden anymore. Put an angel in guard, uh, to guard over the garden. But here, here, after Genesis, all of this time, we come now to the book of Revelation, the 22nd chapter, and we see in God's holy city, we again have full access to that tree for healing and for nourishment. In verse 2 we are told the tree holds 12 kinds of fruit. It indicates eternal nourishment, but it also indicates there's a variety of foods to be eaten in, in heaven. And also the term month cannot refer to time, because since we will be in an eternal state where time is no more, it's mostly an expression of God's provision for us, kind of written in terms that we understand. In a month, say. So it appears it is simply an expression of God's provision for us, where the leaves of this tree are for healing, but we are told there's no more sickness. Well, the word for healing there is therapeutic, and we get the word therapeutic from it. It indicates that we will have health throughout eternity. And why do we have this health? What is the purpose that it, we really have this health? It's found in verse 3, because there shall no longer be any curse. God placed a curse upon mankind back in Genesis chapter 3. This curse, above everything else that it did, put a separation between mankind and God. Our fellowship with Him. That shall no longer exist. The curse shall be gone. Zechariah chapter 14 verse 11 says, There will be no more curse, for Jerusalem will dwell in security. And Romans chapter 8, verses 19 to 22, tells us that the creation itself, the trees, the mountains, the, all that has been created, groans to be set free from this curse. The curse is upon mankind as well as creation. And in verse 3, the absence of the curse is because the presence of the Lamb and the presence of God the Father, because He is among us. Therefore, it says in verse 3, we shall be His bondservants, and we'll serve him. Now, bondservant is a term for the lowest type of slave. It, Paul called himself that throughout Scripture, and so does John. As a matter of fact, John gave himself and us, all of us who read this and believe, who follow Jesus Christ, this title way back when he began this book. In, Gen excuse me, in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1, John says, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show to his bondservants, plural. That's us. The things that must soon take place. 
And he sent and he communicated it by his angel to his bond servant, John. It'll be our joy in heaven to serve our Lord. It ought to be our joy to serve him now. Try to encourage everybody possible to serve him here within this, this church. That we serve our Lord and serve one another. It ought to be our joy to do that. And then written here in verse 4 is one of the greatest privileges in all of Scripture. It says, They shall see His face, and His name shall be on our foreheads. In the Old Testament, God did not allow Moses to see His face. Reason being, sin in Moses' life. Yet Jesus said to, in the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And our God will be intimate. He will possess us. He'll place His name upon our foreheads. Remember the 144,000 Jews that evangelized the, the world during the tribulation period? They had the name of God upon their foreheads and God protected them. They were His. On the other hand, Satan put his name upon all who did not believe God. And they were Satan's. But God shall give us His name. We will belong to Him. And catch this, He belongs to us. That's an awesome privilege. And then verse 5 tells us what we already have learned. From chapter 21, verses 23 to 25, that God and the Lamb, Jesus Christ, shall light the whole universe. There shall be no more darkness whatsoever. No need for the sun. No need for moon. And for how long? We shall reign with Him Forever and ever, it says. Can you even imagine? Can you even imagine? I cannot. I cannot. That we shall serve and reign with our God and with Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, forever and ever, goes beyond anything I can ever imagine. Well, next week we're going to take a look at the rest of this chapter. And I want to encourage you, if you have any friend that you've been sharing your faith with, and they've kind of put it off, that you might invite them to church. They might hear, maybe from myself, may, oh no, from God, maybe they'll hear from our Lord something that'll spark a, a, a light in their hearts and they'll come to Christ. This will be a time where there'll be pure evangelism. This is a time where we will share the wonders of our faith and, and how blessed we are to be children of God, those who have his name written on our foreheads, those of us who have our name written in the Lamb's book of life, which he will not erase, and he will confess us before his Father and before the angels. I, I really am excited about next week. I want you to come, and if you can, bring a friend, please. In the meantime, uh, I want to close in prayer, and then I want to share with you something about our building here, and also I'm going to ask Pastor Dan and Pastor Fred to come up in a moment. Let's close in prayer. Father, please, would you bless us? For no other reason, Father, would you bless us so that we might really understand and, and comprehend all that you have given us. The privileges of privilege to be a, a child of yours and to be able to live with you forever and ever in, in eternity in a place that is going to be beyond our wildest dreams as far as beautiful. So would you please, Father, just take this time and bless us and May we return that blessing somehow, some way today. Thank you, Father, for everyone here. I love them so much. 
So we ask all these things in the precious and most wonderful name that has ever been given to mankind. Father, we ask this in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.